and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. That looks like fun, doesn't it? Anyone think it looks scary? Who's been on a trampoline before? Is there, is there anyone surprising that's been on a trampoline? I wondered if this lights up a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're all looking around now. Okay, I think we all know that experience of up and down and bouncing and a little bit scaring and your heart skipping a beat a bit. So what is the essential component in a trampoline? Springs. Now, something struck me recently. What began two weeks ago? The season of spring. I like that idea, that we are entering a season of spring. Like for you and I personally in our lives, there is something changing in us at the moment and in the world around us. Something new is happening. So um, someone wrote, wrote in a book, who's heard of Rob Bell? He wrote a book called Velvet Elvis a few years ago. And something that he said came to me last week. And I mentioned it to Anthony and Chris because it, it felt significant. Um, he wrote that life and faith are like a trampoline. Now, I guess you've got your ups and downs in life, but the thing that he was focusing on was that the beliefs that we have and the faith that we have are like the springs in a trampoline. It's not about getting it right. It's about how high can I go? Is this propelling me in the right direction? Is this helping me live life to the full? And everything that we're going to look at this morning isn't about getting our beliefs right. It's about, is this working? How can we live fully? Are our springs boinging us in the right direction? So, do you have a spring in your step this morning? Georgia does. If you don't, then I wonder if it's got, because we got stuck in what we call brickianity. So the alternative to life being trampoline is that life is about brickianity. Now in brickianity, our beliefs are bricks. So what is significant about bricks? Well, bricks are, <laughs> so what do you say? No, it's cool, I like, I like the feedback, I like the conversation. They're all solid, aren't they? Like, you can kill someone with a brick, it's like, doof, it's really hard. It's got sharp edges, it's rigid. Also, if you think about it, they're all consistent, aren't they? They all have to kind of conform to certain standards to be a right brick and structured, yeah. Also, they're all about, I love this, having the right angles. You have to have, literally, right angles in bricks. But also, when we have that culture in our life of brickianity, we're all about having the right angle and being right about everything. Also, if you take one brick out with a brickianity way of living, the whole thing can crumble. Whereas in trampoline living, you take a spring out, the other springs take the strain, and it's just a question of, is this propelling me in the right direction? Now, before you think that this is all about Christianity, religion, faith, God, Bible, things, I want to just transfer our focus onto relationships, politics, 
how you bring your kids up, how you interact with your relationships with others, people at work. It's easy to think it's all about a, a religious perspective, but this is about how we do life and how we do life in our perspective on the world. If we can get stuck, even in our approach to how we do our job, the best way to cook, the best way to dance, if we get stuck in, this is the way to do it and I have to be right, we're not going to be able to flex and move in an ever-changing world. So if I am more concerned with promoting and defending my current beliefs than curious and interested in others, I may have got stuck in brickianity. If I'm scared to change and embrace mystery, I may need to leave behind brickianity. If I have answers that can't be questioned, I may have fallen for brickianity. So uh, I have a slide. Here at Q, part of our culture, part of our sound is that we would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. Um, now, I just want to finish by something that Ant said a few weeks ago that really struck me. He was talking about mystery. And I think I've found myself in a point in life where I've questioned everything so much that sometimes they're like, well, is anything real? Are there any truths? I was having a great conversation with Bruce about this recently. How do you know if anything's real, if everything's just a big mystery? And Ant really uh, pinpointed something. He said, mystery is not something you cannot understand, but something you are endlessly understanding. That is cool, isn't it? That actually life isn't about, well, we'll never know, will we? It's just all a mystery. It's actually, this is something we are continually evolving in our understanding. So this morning we have Joel who's going to talk, Claire is going to talk, Jen's going to talk. We've got some songs, we've got some videos, and it's all about how can we continue this endless understanding of life so it will spring us in the right direction. So let's start with a very silly song. But why? Why have I shared that video? Well, I found it was a bit of a fun take on risk. But essentially, it's a health and safety video about not going on train, train tracks and stuff. Um, and ironically, the, the video that Danny shared about trampolining, when you go to a trampoline place with the kids, that, that thing where they're all jumping on it so they can go high is the very thing they tell you not to do because, you know, you could break your leg and die. <laughs> but the thing is, it's made me think this week a little bit about risk assessment because I, I run my own business with my husband James and we have to do RAMs all the time. Now, I never knew what RAMs were until recently. And basically, it's risk and method statements. So everything you do has to be risk assessed. Everything you do has to have a method statement to the point where, where I'm working at the moment, if I spill a bit of paint, I have to fill it in an accident form or like let someone know because it's a risk. And... <laughs> I, I understand why we have these things. I understand why we have health and safety rules because some people were dumb. <laughs> and some of the things I see on sites are pretty dumb. Um, you know, you're not going to end well if you lean out of a scissor lift with a power tool. You know, that's not going to end well. Uh, so there's reasons these things are in place. But also, at what point is it become a bit too much? Where sometimes the health and safety rules for my work can, can actually restrict what you're doing a little bit. And it got me thinking about why, you know, why are these rules implemented? Why, is, why have we become such a culture of everything being so risk-averse? Risk and it made me think it's about liability. Everything has to have liability. You've got personal liability, public liability, professional indemnity, employer's liability, because there has to be someone to blame. You know, where there's a blame, there's a claim, you know. We're all fearful of the fallout. Who's liable? But is the world any less dangerous than in the 80s when I was rocking up to school on my own when I was six years old? You know, I was climbing trees. I'm still of that generation where I was doing that. I was running up the road to my friend's house to knock on the door. I'm not sure if I'd do that with my kids yet. 
You know, and they say that a lot of kids who start secondary school now don't know how to cross a road properly because they've just not been given that streetwiseness. They've not been given that freedom to kind of think for themselves a little bit. You know, my brother's safety test, <laughs> my brother's safety test with a swing was to use me as the person to see if it worked or not. You know, that, that was health and safeties in the 80s. But have we simply become risk-averse? And how much of that do we risk-assess our choices? So, you know, for example, I was invited out on Friday night and immediately I'm like, right, what's the risk? If I stay out too late and I'll, I've got a hangover on Saturday, what does that mean? And, da, 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 da. And, and that's sort of a light way to look at it. But quite often we can be too much risk-assessing the fallout of our choices, you know. But how, how did we discover new land? How did people discover new land? How did explorers discover new land without worrying they were going to sail off the side of the earth? You know, when did we lose that good instinct? When did we lose the mystery and the curiosity? And has safety become an ism in our life? Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> well, first of all, I'd like to say thank you so much for being here. Um, a bit like what Danny was saying at the beginning, is although Q happens to be a building where we attend. Ultimately, without the people and without the heartbeat and the spirit, um, we can't be what we are really. So I want to say that I appreciate every single one of you. Um, we go on into um, something new, but the heartbeat is the same, the spirit is the same. Um, the Again, I was just saying this truth at the beginning, it's not about um, a destination, it's about a direction of travel. Um, and yes, yeah, so I really do appreciate you being here this morning. And thank you uh, for the contributions so far from Danny and Claire, they were fantastic. And I love that video, Claire, it's absolutely hilarious. Just so brilliant. Um, it's funny because this is the second week now that I've uh, said I'm really starting to tell my age. And I said last week about, you know, turning 40 and uh, being in the music team since I was 14 and, and all of that. Uh, and it's funny because um, as Claire was saying, you know, I'm, I'm an 80s, 80s boy. And it is interesting, um, particularly over the last 10 years, I would say more so than ever, um, seeing a very, very significant shift in the way that people live their lives. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny because I have conversations with people all the time. I remember when we would make mud pies. You've heard it before. It's always mud pies, isn't it? We didn't even bother washing our hands before dinner. We'd bite our nails. We'd skateboard down the middle of the road. And you know what I'm trying to get at, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because our health and safety books are probably bigger than they've ever been. I mean, some are bigger than encyclopedias, you know, where I work, um, you know, in a gym. It's all about, you know, making sure that health and safety is, is carried out. Um, and one must ask, is this a good thing? I guess a bit like what Claire was saying. Is this a good thing or is it literally robbing us of our will to live and thrive? And you've heard of that term, haven't you? It, it's, it's, I'm, I'm losing the will to live, right? People say, I'm literally losing the will. I'm losing the will. Most of the time, we don't literally mean, you know, we're ready to top ourselves or anything. We just mean in that particular situation, everything that surrounds us is restricting and causing us to feel bound by what's going on. And, and, I, and I really just want to spend a few minutes talking about how I believe that, this, this thing that Claire was talking about has really actually pushed us into that position of almost literally losing the will um, to live. <clears throat> now, over the last few months, um, Anth has delved into the world of isms, and I think it's been absolutely fantastic to, uh, to listen to all of that. Now, safetyism is one that I have become increasingly interested in and curious as to what causes it. I have recently ordered a book called The Coddling of the American Mind. 
The writers of this book describe safetyism as a culture or belief system in which safety has become a sacred value, which means people are willing to make trade-offs demanded by other moral and practical concerns. If the desire for safety becomes pervasive in your culture and begins to define the relationship between citizen and government, now I'm using the word government for now, but we can talk about that in a minute, you can end up living in what's called a so-called nanny state. This is where the authorities and its policies become overprotective and regulate all matters and in doing so undermine the individual sovereignty and autonomy. I mean, I think that's just a fantastic explanation. Restrictions are put in place, hear this, to protect you from yourself and others from you. Claire was talking about liability. You're a liability to yourself and you're a liability to others. <clears throat> now, the moment we mentioned nanny state, which is why I said don't worry too much about that word government because I don't want it to become too politics focused, right? The moment we mention nanny state, we think government and politics. This is a concept that can actually be applied to so many different areas of life. It can apply to your family. Some of you may have grown up in very rigid, static, structured families. The church, you know, we know from our journey the things that we've had to walk through. It's basically any situation where the desire for safety, security, uncertainty regulate all matters and undermine the individual. Isn't it interesting that the Bible is one giant book showing us the res wrestle between slavery and freedom? We have stories like the Exodus and Pharaoh, Jesus and the Pharisees. I also find it fascinating how later in the New Testament, Testament after the disciples have found this newfound freedom, Paul then rabbits on for however many books about doing everything he can to rein them back in. Isn't it true? I know you're free, but... If you become this free, look at all the problem. He goes on and on and on. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying I understand why he doesn't, but you can see how even then it was the same wrestle to some degree as, as what we're facing now. <clears throat> we have the whole concept of original sin and that the church and God is there to save us from ourselves. I mean, that was a big one for me is that we were inherently flawed and that the institution we came to for someone to tell us that we were inherently flawed and ultimately give us the keys that would potentially change that, but it was never enough, so we always still felt bad. I mean, it was just a vicious cycle. Now, when we talk about safety, I'm not referring to stopping at a red light or wearing a seatbelt or putting your hand in fire, so I don't want anyone to go away after this. Well, Joel said that it doesn't matter, so we can just do whatever we want. I'm not saying that, right? Like Claire said, there are things that are wise that any do I dare say this, rationally minded individual would understand from their own inner being that sticking your hand in a fire is probably not going to end well, right? No one is denying there are very real dangers and threats to this world, in this world. But safetyism is not only a sacred value, has become a sacred value, but also a dogma. It goes beyond assessing your relative risks and with any dogmatic belief becomes static and immovable, we've come full circle, brickianity. Say safetyism itself becomes a static, immovable object. It also, as with any dogma, creates the othering of those who don't conform to said belief. 
And this is, again, there's got to be someone to blame. And we see a lot now blame culture. It's always, well, it's someone else's fault, the whole thing of suing. I mean, we saw it in America for years. It's even come across here now. You know, There's always got to be someone to point the finger at. So why have so many chosen to embrace such invasive restrictions? Why, more so recently, has safetyism become so personal, permanent, and pervasive? Remember the three Ps that uh, I've talked about. <clears throat> One could say it's a trade-off. We give up our freedom because we question whether we are capable of making wise, healthy, and beneficial decisions for our own lives and the lives of those around us. The more you are told you are the problem, the more you will begin to align yourself with this belief. <clears throat> when safetyism becomes the primary driver in organizing societies and communities, you de-skill the individual in exercising personal judgment and responsibility. It enables their weakness instead of encouraging them to be strong in order to face the challenges of life. Some of you may have heard of learned helplessness. Now, I'll be really honest, learned helplessness is something that I struggle with on a daily basis. It's when something that has occurred in the past, you constantly believe it's relevant in everyday life. So therefore you live your life according to, to you literally feel you are helpless, even though the situation you're in isn't helpless. Does that make sense, right? We no longer feel equipped to face the world and now begin looking for someone to blame, whether it be ourselves or the other. Truth is, and I'm going to swear, I'm really sorry, shit happens. Accidents, tragedies, consequences from choices. We live in a world where shit happens, right? Let's just get real. But also, we live in a world full of beauty, creativity, and love. The yin and the yang, I put the ring and the yang here. I mean the yin and the yang, just less than the ring and the yang. I'm like, what is the ring? The yin and the yang, the contrast of life. At what point does the loyalty to safetyism stop us both as individuals and a collective, creating, becoming, and achieving? Our desire to feel safe and secure literally stops us doing anything that allows us to flourish. I can hear you saying, but surely keeping everyone safe is a good thing. Well, you could say, for an ordered, structured society, then yes, but the question is, at what cost? Because with every decision in life, there comes a cost, right? There does. I refer back to the movie The Giver that I've spoken about before, and if you haven't seen it, it's a really great movie, and I think you'd enjoy it. After a war, the powers that be recognize the need to eliminate all feeling and emotion in order to avoid any conflict happening again. Their speech is, is monitored and every ounce of their lives is controlled for the sake of the greater good. Eventually, a member of the society is shown what life used to be. He realized that whilst they may be safe, all the experiences of joy that once existed have now simply disappeared. You see, as we tighten the chains of certainty and security, we stifle humans' passion and drive for life. Perspective has a big part to play here. Remember, it's the whole thing of how you see the elephant. <clears throat> and understand many of us will view this differently. So I don't want you to see because this is how I view it. This is automatically going to be how you view it. This is just my, you know, my take on it. But I would question, are we seeing a more disciplined society now in 2022 or a decrease in the appetite to grow? Is it that once a species known to be pioneers have now become settlers? Back to the Bible. 
We went from go forth and prosper, multiply, the world is yours, reproduce the fruitfulness of the garden and the barrenness of the earth, you are creators of your own reality, to the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not. Yeah? To who the sun makes free is free indeed. There's a famous quote, a ship in the harbour is safe, but that isn't what the ship was built for. And we know a lot about this from the icebreaker, don't we? Now, an interesting point, nut allergies. There's more allergies now circulating than ever before, right? And you know, there's been a lot of research done on this that says that nut allergies now, <clears throat> because people are so afraid that their child will be allergic to nuts, they don't give them nuts, even though they might not be allergic to nuts. Then 10 years down the line, they eat a meal in a restaurant that has, you know, peanuts on it or something. They swell up like a balloon, right? And we wonder why. And it's actually because what we're doing is we're believing, we're already fearing about something that might not even exist. Therefore, restricting something from an experience that might actually be beneficial to them from building strength and ultimately has a negative, ends up being negative. Does shielding people from harm help or in the long run, does it make them sicker both physically and spiritually and prevent them being resilient? The good news is we always have the opportunity to change and I believe this starts with us as individuals. The video clip I'm going to show before I sing is from the Hunchback of Notre Dame. He has been trained over decades that staying inside was best for him and also for the citizens in the town in which he lived. He had known nothing other than this until he meets someone from the outside free world and he realizes how much he is missing. A bit like we had to, to deconstruct the religious dogma, I feel we are, we are now on a quest to rediscovering the free self, the self that can embrace the contrast of both good and bad, pain and pleasure, pretty and ugly, and celebrate it all as that which makes us truly human. Eleanor Roosevelt, Roosevelt said this, do one thing today that scares you. You may make a fool of yourself, you may fail and fall, but in the long run, you will become enriched. And what originally felt like failure will end up potentially being a pivotal moment in your journey of life. Nothing in this world can guarantee your safety. I have definitely learned that. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If you take anything away, no government, no church, no family can ever guarantee that you will be 100% protected. It just can't happen. Just like Quasi wakes up to the realization that Notre Dame, the, ch the church, isn't really home anymore, but his prison, and risks the pursuit of freedom and pleasure, so too today I hope that you can find within the depths of your true, real, authentic self, your desire to be free and rediscover life in all its wonder and glory. Thank you. Um, we've watched that clip a few times here, but I actually never watched the film and so um and I know I know it's terrible <laughs> I actually never watched the film but I watched it yesterday and it's it's absolutely lovely so if you want a Sunday afternoon activity um watch it because it says all sorts about dreams about adventure about getting stuck about having to dream again and then about what you do when you sort of get to the point where you're like hmm this was my dream, but this wasn't what I had in mind. And it all links to the themes of what we've heard this morning about risk and about safety and about all the, the safetyism thoughts. It's really, um, 
it's really powerful, actually. Um, and I wrote down here that in that up clip, Russell, who's the little lad, values a giant bird enough to get off the ground. And Carl, the uh, more senior gentleman, values Russell enough to throw away his most beloved and sacred things for him to get off the ground and fly. And I've been really thinking this week about my risks, in inverted commas, um, and where I felt like I've risked my safety. And nearly all of them have been about who or what I'm stood with and about new things that I've wanted to see. I've had to have my eye on something that makes it worth letting go of the things that make me safe. But also my playing it safe has nearly always been about who I or what I feel I stand apart from and things I want to hold on to. And we all have um, a sense of which we want to hold tightly to our bricks. We want to hold tightly to the things that make us feel safe. The reason why we, we make the choices we make is because we think, what if? the worst happens. But how often do we think, well, what if the best happens? What if, what if there's more than this? So this morning has very much explored a way of, of being. It's not something you can solve in one morning. It's actually asking you to think about your approach to your everyday life and the reasons behind some of the choices you might be making. And are they habits? Are they bricks in your wall? Or is there room for you to grow? And, but that starts actually with the individual choices you make now. It starts with the situations you might be facing currently and the stories you might be telling yourself about those situations and what you might do differently. So who or what are you standing with this morning that's making you feel safe or unsafe? Um, what new things do you want to see that would be worth taking risks for? Um, and what do you feel you've become separate from? Because often when we're separate from things, we've sometimes put a wall up. And the reason why you feel separate is because you've put yourself behind your wall of safety and now there's no room. And what perhaps won't you let go of? And I was thinking a lot about intentions. Everybody talks about doing the right thing for the right reasons. It was the right intentions. But the thing with right intentions is they often have that other phrase we hear, unintended consequences. And the unintended consequences of a lot of people's right decisions, they're the things we don't always bargain for further down the line. And sometimes we have to have a long lens view of life that says, yes, right now this makes me feel safe. But what might be the unintended consequences of me aligning myself with what makes me feel safe now a little bit further down the road? Now, I want to just um, play one short um, final clip before I make a few comments about it because I thought it was fascinating. So there's a guy and he's talking about, it's part of a, a far longer thing, but he's talking about science and he's talking about um, what he's seen. A little bit like Joel said, he's an 80s. I don't know if I'm 80s. I was born 75. Does that make me 70s or 80s? Okay. Um, he was talking about, so there's someone who's Looking, um, looking at how young people approach things and just getting really irritated. But it's not about the fact that he's irritated and it's not about science. It's a brilliant principle and a brilliant challenge. So can you just play that clip for me? Thank you so much. <laughs> well, the finest candle makers in the world didn't even think of electricity. 
That's the punchline. Um, and he goes on to say that often um, the, the new ideas are not found from within the bricks. They're found from beyond. And I just wanted it, in the spirit of what we've been talking about today, about how our safety can become an ism, of how the, the common narrative can be the thing that makes us feel most safe, the thing that the majority, the story that the majority tell the most. But I thought it was fascinating, the idea that when the people who lived with candles were very happy with the light and the way it shone in their lives, but there was something else that could possibly be. So there was nothing wrong with the candles and it was illuminating their life in all the ways. But somebody at some point thought, how else might it be possible to have light in the world? And I just found that a fascinating idea that actually if our lives are set up and secure and we like our bricks and we like our safety, we have to leave room for those thoughts that says, but what else could be? It might be working for me, but what else could be? And almost have a little look up. So finally, where we have tight structure, things will struggle to advance. What he says in the video that didn't play was advances don't come from within the structure. They come from outside the bricks. So we need to not have too many tight structures in our lives or impose those on others because things will genuinely struggle to advance. So beware of when the structures are tight because it might stop advancement. Number two, where there is consensus, there are no new ideas. So everybody thought the same and they thought, therefore they approved it. If the only ever things that can ever get approved are things where everybody thinks the same, there'll never be anything new. And finally, you can be very happy with what you have, and yet you could be missing what could be. And that was the finest candle makers did not think of electricity. What the guy was frustrated about was he didn't want a bunch of educated people who then didn't know how to think, observe, and discuss. So what we hope that you have heard this morning is some thinking some observations and some discussions because we think that's the spirit of Q. And so I suppose the call to action, I think, that would be the most apt from everything we've heard this morning is that line that Joel said. He said, what if we all did one thing a day that scares us? That might be a good place to start in making sure that we're not so busy being safe and avoiding fear that we don't try our own new things to make sure we don't get behind our own walls that cannot then be moved and... Um, if you want to all go bounce on a trampoline as well as your call to action, you are most welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest. <laughs>